aren't you glad for the cross? It is good to be here. You're a, you're a lively group. You're a, you seem like a fun group. We're, we're so gl glad to be here. And it's, it's an honor to know Brother Bales. I've known Brother Bales for over 30 years. I was, he was a youth pastor in another church in town up in Indiana, Annapolis, Indiana. I was just a wee little boy at the time. And I think we're about 13, 14 years difference. But uh, he's a good friend and um, a unique friend, but a, a, an awesome friend. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to get to that passage in just a moment. Philippians chapter 4. What's your favorite Bible verse? What, what's your favorite Bible verse? Give me one. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation all will make a way to escape it, that ye may be able to bear it. I can't really remember that. Wow, that's a mouthful. That's a good one. I hope that's the right one. Okay, just checking. What's your favorite middle section? What's your favorite memory or Bible verse? Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Quote it. Ah. Oh. Amen. That's a great one. That's a great one. All right, over here, what's your favorite verse? What's one of your favorite verses? A lot of, a lot of pressure. Isaiah 40, 31. Quote it. Renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. There, that's good. You ought to have a you ought to have a favorite Bible verse, and uh, there are several. Man, uh, there's verses that we call on in times of need. There's favorite verses that we have that inspire us in some way. Um, Romans eight twenty eight is one for me, uh, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And it's a verse we quote, uh, especially in time of confusion, in times of trouble. It, maybe we've made a mistake of some kind, and uh, we need God to bail us out. God, take this mess and work it out for good. You ever done that? Or am I the only one? Yeah. God does that. Or when we make a bad choice, we call on God to kind of make some good out of this. A couple years ago, uh, just, to, just to show you this verse in action, all things work together for good. I went, out, I went out to get in the car to go to church uh, one morning, and when I went out to go into the car, there was no car. My car had been stolen during the night. And I'm thinking, Lord, this is terrible. And to top it all off, my golf clubs were in the trunk. That's the worst part of the whole thing. My golf clubs, my bowling ball, my, all of my sports equipment I kept in the trunk just because you never know when you might need them. And it was all gone, and I'm, and I'm moaning, and I'm groaning. And then a month, I never did, I didn't get the car back. Uh, actually, a month later, a month later, they found the car. It was in a wreck. I went to, to go down to the impound and looked at it. It was totaled, and they had tinted the windows, um, and they had really made my car look kind of cool but um, no no golf clubs in the trunk but uh, thank God for insurance 
All things work together for good. I got a new set of golf clubs and a new car, and all was right. Is that Romans 8, 28 in action? I don't know. Here's what I do know. I know that this verse has context. And every verse has context. And in this verse, Romans 8, 28, it's really not the message. We're going to get to, to Philippians 4 in just a minute. But the Romans 8, 28 passage is conditional. It's just not a blanket. Hey, everything's going to work out for good. You know, sometimes things don't work out for good. Maybe you've experienced that in your life. Or, or maybe the good that you think it should. See, there's, there's our good and there's God's good. And sometimes our good and God's good don't match up. But in the, in the verse, it, there's condition and context. The context is not losing hope and how when we do not know how to pray, the Spirit of God intercedes in prayer for us. That's the passage where it says that he goes before the, the Spirit prays with groanings that cannot be uttered. That's not tongues. That is simply the Spirit going before the Father to pray when we don't know how to pray. Have you ever not known what to pray? Yeah. So the Spirit does. And, and, so, and so that's how we know that all things work together for good. So that's the condition of the verse, or the condition of the verse is to those who love God and who are the called. There's some other verses I like. Psalm chapter 37, verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Now, who doesn't want the desires of their heart? And, and the desires of my heart were new golf clubs. So does that mean that God answered my prayer? He, I, it, he gave me the desires of my heart. Is, is this a name it, claim it verse? Is this, if I want it, I get it. Is this, a, you know, God, whatever my desires are, that's, that's what, you should, that's what you, you should do because you said it right here. See, again, you've got to look at context and conditions. See, the, the context of the verse is that the psalmist says, you know, it seems like the wicked are prospering. It seems like the wicked, are, everything's going their way. And, and, uh, and he's, he's saying in the passage, don't, don't allow yours, their success to be a concern for you. And then he says, trust in the Lord and do good anyway. It's not a name it, claim it verse. And the name it, claim it crowd, the prosperity preaching crowd, will use verses like this. And, and when, you, when you stop and think of the prosperity you know, message that's out there, it's, it's really an insult to the early church who lost everything. You tell me those people weren't spiritual? They lost everything. They lost their homes. They lost their jobs. Or, or people in other, other countries who don't have hardly anything. Yet they love Jesus with all their heart, soul, and mind. But it, God hasn't blessed them financially. So it's not a name and claim and verse. Another one is Philippians 4, 4, and we're getting close now. He says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Have you ever quoted that verse? Isn't that a great verse? God will supply all of our needs. As our father, it's his responsibility. Just like it was my responsibility to supply for the needs of my children when they were at home. I have to take care of them. I'm to protect them. God views us the same way. He even says in Matthew that he'll take care of all his food, shelter, clothing. Those are the three things that he says that he'll do for us. Now, he doesn't say cable TV, and he doesn't say a new iPhone. 
but he says food, shelter, clothing. Those are the things that he'll, that he'll, he'll, he'll take care of. He says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. And we quote that verse, and it's a great verse, but the verse has context. And the context is of, of the verse is that there's this particular church that came to the aid of Paul, to his mission work. And so the verse has to do with a sacrificial offering. Because you sacrificed to give to, to missions, I'm going to supply all your needs. And so that's why at our church, and I, I think you do too, we, have faith, we do faith promise missions. And I just believe that anybody who is a Christian and believes in the Great Commission should participate in missions. And, and somebody said amen, right? Yeah, I love preaching on giving in, to, in other churches. It's uh, awesome. I could just blast you with it. But no, it's true, though. He says, I'll supply all your needs as you give to missions. That's the context and the condition. So I'd like us to take a familiar verse. It's a great verse. It's a bumper sticker verse. It's a verse that, that goes on T-shirts, and, and uh, you've quoted it 100 times, and it's Philippians 4.13. Do you know it by heart? Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Isn't that a great verse? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now let me ask you something. Is this a blanket truth? Can we do all things? It is a true statement that if God gives me the strength, I can do anything. It's, it is a true statement. Just ask the children of Israel who marched seven times around a city and, and the walls fell down flat. Just ask Moses as he, went, as he went before Pharaoh. Just ask Elijah who called down fire from heaven. Just ask Elisha who, who brought a young boy back from, from the dead. Just ask David who fought a giant with a slingshot. If God doesn't give you strength. He does. Just ask the disciples. Just ask Paul. When God gives me strength, amazing things can happen. But the verse has potential for what I call extreme application. <laughs> extreme application. You see, there, here's a reality. I can summon all the power of God. I can say in Jesus' name, I'm going to dunk this basketball. I can summon the strength of Jesus and I can promise you something. I'm not going to dunk a basketball. I'm a 5'7", 57-year-old white guy who can shoot the rock still, but I've got no, I've got no hops. I've got no legs. And even in my prime, two years ago, even in my prime, I still couldn't dunk a basketball. And I can summon all the strength of Jesus I want. It's probably not going to happen. Yeah, I can, I, can, I can pray and say in Jesus' name when I wake up, please fill in the bald spot on the back of my head. And your pastor could do the same thing, except for a little more than that. We can summons the power of Jesus and amazing things to happen, but again, extreme application can be made here. 
I can believe God can do anything he pleases, but this is not a name it, claim it verse. You see, this verse has context. It has context. So let's look at the context of the verse. And really, now how do you, how do you find, when you read one verse like that, how do you find context? The context of the verse. What do you have to do? You have to read the verses around it. And then, then what, what happens is the verse takes on a whole new meaning. And it may, even makes more sense. And I think it has a deeper message when you do that. And so the context is verse 10. Paul is talking about where he's at in life. And he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care for me hath flourished again wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Paul, was, Paul is rejoicing that the church of Philippi had been able to take care of his needs as a missionary. Again, it goes back to that, that offering that they took. And he says in verse 11, not that I speak in respect of want. He says, you, you did the best you could. I know there were times you lacked opportunity, but that's okay. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned that in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. So he says, not that I speak in respect of want. His life was not about what he wanted. If there was anyone, anything that could be said of Paul, it was this. He was sold out to Jesus. He was sold out to Christ, and he was sold out to doing his will. And he said, for I have learned that whatever the conditions are in my life, I'm going to be content. Now, what does it mean to be content? It means to be satisfied. Where God, where I am, I'm going to be satisfied. Now, I would tell you, that's something he had to learn. That's not something that comes naturally. If the conditions are bad, now we can be satisfied when everything's good, but when everything's bad, can be we be satisfied? And that's what he's saying here. That's the context. So are we ever really satisfied? Is our culture ever really satisfied? Probably for a moment. The drug addict is satisfied until the next desire. We get new gadgets. We get the iPhone 6. Listen, that's old school. You got to get the iPhone 7. You got to get the Galaxy 7 Note that'll burn up in your hand. You got to get all that stuff. When you buy a new computer, it's going to be obsolete in a year or two. We have to be up with the greatest and, and the latest, and you got to get a new update. Man, I don't know how many, we're, we, with, uh, with even our programs at church that we use, our, our software every year, you need an update, you need an upgrade. Well, it works fine just like it is, but you, we want it better. And so we, we, we're always, never, we're never satisfied. And by the way, it's the job of advertisers to make you dissatisfied. That's the job of commercials. And I'm not that kind of guy. I, I, my car, I drive, a nine, I drive the same car your preacher drives. The, uh, um, 
the Buick LeSabre, same year that he, it's, an, it's a 2001 Buick LeSabre. Your preacher and I drive the same car. I got it from a little old lady who was, who was going into an assisted living home. She didn't need it anymore. This replaced my stolen car. And I got it for a great price. But it's, our, it's the job of, of advertisers to make you dissatisfied. No, no, you need a new car. Are we ever really satisfied? Paul said, this is something I've got to learn. I have to learn this thing. And how did he learn that? He gives us, he gives us how he learned it in 1 Timothy 6. As a matter of fact, go ahead and turn there if you would. 1 Timothy, chapter number 6. First Timothy 6, he tells us how he, how he learned this behavior. He says in verse 6, But godliness with contentment is great gain. You see, it started with godliness. Contentment starts with godliness. Holiness, that's being more like God. It's, taking, it's, it's simply taking the teachings of Christ and living them. That's all godliness is. It's being like him. The more like Jesus I become, the more content I become. Because when you analyze the life of Christ, it was not about himself. He came into this world to seek and save that which was lost. He came to do the Father's will. He came for our benefit, not his. That was his whole purpose in coming. And so the more that we know about Jesus, the more that we become content. Paul said, I've learned a valuable lesson there in uh, verse 7. For we brought nothing into this world and it's certain we can carry nothing out. You can't take anything with, I know you know that. We can't take a thing. We were born with nothing. I was there for all three of my children's births. Now how many of you when your kids were born, they didn't let you do that. They did not let the man into the room. I w at first, I wished that was the way it was. <laughs> but, but then I got in there and saw the miracle. I saw the miracle, but I heard the screaming. And the screaming was from me as my wife was clutching my arm like that. So I, no, it was, <laughs> it was amazing. But... But each of those babies, when they, when, when they were born, none of them, none of them had an iPhone. None of them came out with anything. We brought nothing into this world. And it is certain we can carry nothing out. And so he says in verse 8, having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. So having food and clothing... He doesn't even mention shelter. But he says, if you have food and you have clothing, you got it. You got it made. Well, you have those things you're connected. But they that be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. God is not against rich, that's for sure. By the way, we're, if you're an American, you're rich. Now, I try to convince Americans of that, and they don't believe me. 
But if you're an American, you're rich. So we, we need to quit poor-mouthing in our country compared to the rest of the world. Listen, if, if, you make more than a, if you make more than $2 a day, you make more than the average person in the world in a lot of countries. So life doesn't consist of stuff. So verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some have coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with sorrows. So he says, I've learned the right things. I, I've learned by being godly, and I've learned by loving the right things. Now back to the Philippians 4 passage. Verse 12, Philippians 4.12. He says, I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He says, I know how to be abased. To be abased means to be humbled, to be humiliated, to be depressed. Now, how is it that we learn things? We learn things by experiencing them. We learn things by doing them. He experienced what it was to be humble. And he says, I've learned how to handle humiliation. At one point, Paul was a very proud man. He tortured the church. He had Christians thrown in jail, Christians killed, families split apart. But God got a hold of his heart. He was humbled. He was humbled at his salvation. And I'm going to tell you something. Salvation is a humbling experience. You know why? Because it's a realization that I can't do it on my own. There's nothing I can do to be saved. Jesus did it all for me. And all I have to do is receive it. And as a young, as a young man at youth camp, I can, I can put a circle around the event where I knelt at that altar and I asked Jesus to save me. I received him as my Savior. I said I do to Jesus. It's like the bride and the groom. When, when do you, yes, do you, yes, and we do. That's what salvation is. You know why? Because God calls you the bride. That's what the church is. The church is the bride of Christ. Christ is the groom. When you say I do to Jesus, you become part of that bride. And he was humbled at his salvation. He says in verse 13, or in verse the rest of verse 12, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. I know how to excel. Now, you would think that abounding and excelling would be easy, but it's not always. You see, we always think our life will be better if we have more. If I could just win that Powerball, and I'd give it all. I would give so much of it to Jesus. If I could win the Powerball, I, could, I would, Lord, I would give you half. Oh, God. And it, see, here's the thing. Most people that say that aren't even given a tenth, let alone a half. But, oh, God, if I could just win that fireball. And we think that life will be easier if we abound, and sometimes that's not the case. You see, there were times in Paul's life when he abounded. There was times when he had plenty. There was times when things went his way. There were times when ministry was successful. There were times when he wasn't in jail. There were times when he, when he wasn't always on a ship and it, and it didn't sink. And I will tell you, if I, knew, if I was on a ship and I knew that Paul was on board, I'd probably wait till the next ship came. It's like Paul and Tom Hanks have some, a similar thing. Have you ever known Tom Hanks movies? Apollo 13... Uh, the sh a ship's captain that got raided by pirates. 
an airplane goes down, uh, he's stranded on an island, and this last one, he ditches his plane. If Tom Hanks is on board, you don't want to be with Tom Hanks. And the Apostle Paul is the same way. So he says, I, I know how to abound. I know, I know how to excel. I know how to do things right. So how, how can I do that? How can I? That's where verse 13 comes in. That's the context of verse 13. I can abound and I can excel. I, I can excel and I can be abased. How? Because of the strength of God. I can do all things through Christ. That's the context of the verse. So here's, here's the takeaway. Some days you are going to be the windshield. And some days you're going to be the bug. That's just the way life's going to be. You're going to be abased. You're going to excel. You're going to have ups. You're going to have downs. Some days you're going to have family reunions. Some days, you're going to bury a loved one. Some days, we as preachers, do, we do wonderful weddings. Then the very next day, day, we do a horrible, tragic funeral. Life is going to be full of ups and downs. Some days, you're going to have plenty of money left over for a vacation. Some days, you might panic and wonder how you're going to make it. Some days, you're going to go work to work. Some days, you're going to stay home sick. Life is full of ups and downs. Some days you're going to abound. Some days you're going to suffer. So how does the believer deal with these things? How does the believer deal with the extremes that life throws at him? Now you know why Philippians 4.13 is in the book. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can deal with the pain because he gives me the strength to do so. I can have victories in my life because he gives me the strength to do so. Too much of what I do is in my own power. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And when you're in pain, that's the time you need to find the strength of God. We went up, I, we went up to Boston this week. Uh, for a pa pa pastor's meeting, that's where Brother Bales and I were, and then, uh, and the, but, but I, my wife and I, and my son and, and his wife, and our and our one-year-old grandbaby, she is so cute. I'll show you pictures right after the service, and uh, we got on a train and we went to New York, and we left yesterday. And on the plane, I sat next to a young lady, and we got to talking, and, and she asked, "Oh, what do you do for a living?" And I'm a preacher. And said, oh, yeah, and she's, we were going to Atlanta. She said, I go to Andy Stanley's church. So how many of you know Andy Stanley? Anybody ever heard of him? Charles Stanley? Y'all heard of him? That's his son. Andy Stanley's his son. Big church. And so I, I just asked her, uh, well, what, uh, what brought you there? What brought you there? And her, and her, her response was, well, I, I went through a bad, bad breakup with my husband. And I was in a bad place. She was in pain. But one of my friends invited me to church. And I went to church. And there at church, she found Jesus. So her pain brought her to the Lord. 
And now she's in church. She's doing well. Her kids are growing. God's blessing her. How did she get through that pain? How did she get through that dark time? Through the strength that she found in Jesus. I have no idea where you're at in your life. I, do, I don't know but just a handful of you folks. I don't know your pain. Everybody has a story. I don't know where you're at, but I can promise you this. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this great passage. I thank you for the strength that we can find in you. God, if there's one here today that does not know your Savior, Lord, I pray that this would be their day of salvation. This would be the day that they could, they could put a circle around and remember forever that that moment when they said, I do to you. Lord, they've been bearing their, they've been, uh, bearing their pain all, all alone because without you, we're nothing. Lord, I pray that we would rely on you. Lord, maybe there's some folks here that are going through some painful times. I pray that you give them strength. Perhaps there's some folks who are abounding and they're doing wonderful. May they continue to rely on your strength. Use us, O oh God. Bless now this invitation, and we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand together for just a few moments? I have no idea how you all normally do things at an invitation, so I'll just kind of do it like we do it at our church. Uh, we, just have a, we just sing a verse or two of invitation, and, and, and if God has spoken to your heart, we ask you to come to the altar. Maybe, maybe you've got some things that you need to, to say, God, I just need to start relying on you. Maybe you need to, maybe you need to come down to the altar and just, and just pray and, and just trust God. Maybe you've never been saved. You've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Let this be your day of salvation. Perhaps you need to join the church. God spoke to me about joining the church. Maybe it's just time for you to, to get that nailed down. Or if you need to get baptized, present yourself for, the, for baptism. Whatever the needs are. Let God have his way. As we sing, you come. Just as I